This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, look, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks. Every time I prepare to do a sermon, I read lots and lots of information about the scripture for the day and nothing Nothing gave me any kind of inspiration until I read a paragraph from a seminary professor who said, if I were sitting in the pew, here's what I want you to say to me, Pastor. Convince me that death is the enemy. So here we go. In the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment is this. Thou shalt not kill. In Hebrew, the word is actually the word for murder, not kill. It means thou will not intentionally take the life of another human. Martin Luther, who we talked about last week with the Reformation, wrote the small catechism in which he said something, he provided something each of our confirmands reads, even today, and he wrote it as a document as to be used as a teaching aid. And in it, after each of the commandments, he writes this question, what does this mean? For this one, he answers, we should fear and love God that we may not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need, in every need and danger of life and body. In life, Luther means more then don't murder another physically. But also, don't murder their spirit. 
Don't murder their love or respect for you. Don't intentionally harm another in any way. We know that death has some extended relatives. We know them well. They are the things with which we use to cause death. Sin in all of its forms. Hate, bullying, harassment, egotistical control over another, lies. But in the end, it is death that we fear. It is death that can make us quiver in fear. In fact, it's death that can lead us into sin. Fear of death, of our body or our reputation, can cause us to lie, cover up sins both for ourselves and for other people. Death is what separates us from God. At least that's what we fear, that death will separate us from God. It might be more accurate to say that it is the fear of death that separates us from God. So if death is our enemy and our fear of death keeps us from God, then it seems to me that death is truly our enemy. Death means an end to what we know, means an end to what we hold dear, what we love. Death brings with it the end of all-consuming passion. The end of happy things in our human life, like dessert, music, kissing, hugging, loving, laughter, respect, and safety. It all ends with death. No more light, no more life, just dark, stark, empty death. Death is scary. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you might recognize this quote. The last enemy to be conquered is death. It's inscribed on the tombstone of Harry's parents, Lily and James. It's also found in 1 Corinthians 15:26. The last enemy to be conquered is death. Now, as people, we make and watch movie after movie depicting death as horrible, awful, painful and often gory. And we do this because it is one of our ways to try to understand and exert some control over life and the enemy that is death. Our human instinct dictates that we do whatever is necessary to survive and to avoid death. And when we can come with all kinds of ways to try to cheat death, Some of them hurt no one. Others are carried out trading one life for another. Death is often the thing we want to ignore, to avoid, and to pretend will not happen to us. Not only is death scary, but death is inevitable. Life on earth, life in human form ends. Nobody gets out of this alive. And when death occurs, it often hurts those who are left behind. As people who live in community, we fall in love with one another. We fall in love with one another in a variety of ways, but love we do. And when the people we love die, it hurts. Death hurts like hell. Death rips our hearts right out of our chests. 
In the movie Stranger Than Fiction, Will Harrell plays a character, Harold, an IRS agent. He begins to hear his life narrated by a woman in his own head. He hears the words on a day like every other day in his very ordered life. And when Harold hears the voice say that because he changed his watch to the correct time, it marks his imminent death, this causes him some anguish. In fact, it causes him to break with his very regular routine. He goes back home and tries to restart his day, picks up his toothbrush, starts brushing his teeth again, wanting the voice to begin the day again and wanting to hear that voice. It causes him to seek the help of a therapist, to seek some way to hear the rest of the story, to hear parts of his life that he knows are missing from the narration in his head. He's frantic. He begins to destroy things in his house, He shouts at the narrator to tell him something, demanding to know what are the other parts of his life that he's missing and to know when he would die. What he didn't realize is that the narrator didn't make his death imminent. It only gave words to the truth. We are all going to die. Death is the end of this earthly life for every single human. A literary expert listens to Harold's story, and when Harold shares the phrase, little did he know that this simple, seemingly innocuous act would lead to his death, the expert says, did you say little did he know? Because that meant that there was something that Harold doesn't know, just as there are things we don't know. In Psalm 89, a poet named Ethan asked the question, what man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? Solomon says it like this in Ecclesiastes, death is the destiny of every person. The living should take this to heart. These verses are echoed in the advice given to Harold by a friend. He says, Harold, you will die. Someday, sometime, Heart failure at the bank, choke on a mint, some long drawn out disease you contracted on vacation, you will die. You will absolutely die. Even if you avoid this death, another will find you. In today's gospel text, Mary and Martha are standing and mourning the death of their brother Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are angry. There's no secret that they are angry with Jesus. Angry with God for allowing their brother Lazarus to die. So here are two women who love Jesus, believe in him with all their being. And by all accounts, we read about them, Mary and Martha trust Jesus. And yet, when Lazarus dies, they, like us, are torn apart, shredded from the inside out. And they're angry that Jesus didn't come sooner because they knew that Jesus could come and stop Lazarus' death. And they don't believe that Lazarus can do anything now. They don't think, actually they don't believe that Jesus can or will bring Lazarus back from the dead. And we read that Jesus weeps. Some accounts and theologians believe that Jesus is weeping because of the death of his friend Lazarus. 
that he feels the same earthly loss of Lazarus that we would feel. And maybe that's so. But what if Jesus is weeping at his failure to convey the ultimate power and saving grace of God? What if Jesus is weeping for the unbelief of Mary and Martha and all of those gathered there? Grief? Yes. Jesus is feeling grief. But is it for the same thing that we feel grief? Grief at a death? Or is it bigger than our human imagining? Today, that is what I think it is. I think Jesus is mourning for what we don't believe, what we won't believe. And that is that death is not the end. Jesus knows this truth. Jesus understands, and we could say he understands unfairly because he's been where we have not been. But he knows what we have yet to know, that death is not the end of life. Yes, death is the end of this earthly existence, the end of our flesh and blood existence, but it is not the end of life. That is our promise, right? The question is whether we can believe it. Can we embrace this, live in the knowledge that what comes after is equally as good as this earthly life and probably better? We don't all get to walk the same earthly path, and the Bible suggests that we won't all walk the same heavenly path either, which is an interesting thought. Even when we use the human idea that heaven is a big party, which is maybe one of my favorite ways to think about heaven. Thank you, Suzanne. When we go to a party, we don't all do the same thing, do we? Some of us dance until we are breathless. Some of us sit on the sidelines and watch others dance. Some of us food, serve food to the guests. Some of us are constantly cleaning up after our guests. Some of us find a place to have an intimate moment with another guest at the party. And some of us are happy, and some of us feel lonely even in the midst of a crowd. These are the human ways we think about life after death. Because it's the only frame of reference that we have. I found myself this week thinking about other movies about heaven. And the movie, What Dreams May Come, would not leave me alone. And I began to wonder why, and it finally dawned on me that Robin Williams' character spends the major major portion of the movie searching for his wife, who has committed suicide. He is fighting tooth and nail to save her from purgatory. He frats and he cries and he begs and he cajoles and he does whatever he thinks he has to do. All because he loves her so deeply that he wants her to be at peace. I keep thinking this is what Jesus does. Will do. Does do. That Jesus will fight. Has fought. For our peace of mind. To help us understand that we are loved. He's the one who has already given all so that we can be at peace. Death has been conquered. 
There isn't a day that goes by when, as Christians, we should not remind ourselves of that fact, that death has been conquered, that Jesus declared the ultimate victory over death. It's when we can fully accept this, that's when we can fully enjoy this life, where we can live every moment of this life. In the movie Stranger Than Fiction, Harold finally accepts that his life is limited, and it's in that moment that he begins to live his life, really live. Knowing that life is more than our mortal understanding, more than flesh and blood, meant to be more because we were created in God's image and God created more, we can feel free to live, to love, and to fully embrace the beauty of the world and the beauty of the promise that there is life after earthly death. Acts 2.24 says, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible for death to keep its hold on us. This is so true for every one of us. We are freed from death because Jesus, by his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, has freed us. Jesus has done the impossible. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a lovely parable of Jesus to Aslan. Aslan dies willingly. His character, free from sin, dies to save the lives of others. And when Susan and Lucy find him alive and well, Aslan explains that when a willing victim who has committed no treachery, is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack, and even death itself will turn backwards. While our earthly life is limited by time and the ability of our flesh to exist, while we fight the natural thing that will happen to each one of us, death, though the enemy, death, though scary, is not the end, because death has been conquered. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. God will swallow up death forever. We are loved and freed because of the love of an amazing God. And everything that lies ahead of us even when what lies ahead of us seems scary and awful. Everything sits in God's capable hands, and we will join all the saints who have gone before us, living a beautiful, unearthly life, most likely a party that never ends. Amen.